0: Welcome to the Bridge Builder Program, an initiative of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, where we help you bring your faith into public life. I'm Jason Adkins, Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and joining me in studio today for our show is our producer and Minnesota Catholic Conference Communications Manager, Kit Cross. Hey, Kit. Hey, good day, everyone. Thanks for tuning in and hope that you're having a very blessed day. You can catch The Bridge Builder Show each week right here at the very same time. And if you miss an episode or want to catch up on past episodes, just visit us at mncatholic.org slash podcast. You can also find The Bridge Builder Show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Each week, we bring you great interviews on some of the major issues impacting the public square. We also answer your questions in our mailbag segment, and you can email those to us at show at mncatholic.org. Again, that's show at mncatholic.org or contact us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And it wouldn't be the bridge builder if we didn't provide you with practical ways that you can build the common good brick by brick in our bricklayer segment. In today's episode, we're discussing the importance of parents being enabled to choose the right school that meets their child's needs. National School Choice Week is coming up January 26th through February 1st. And across Minnesota, there are a lot of great events going on. We'll discuss how you can get involved later in our bricklayer segment and in our mailbag segment, we answer questions surrounding school choice legislation. Today, we have a really special interview with a woman spurred by her passion for educational opportunity who's inspired families, filmmakers, and lawmakers to make positive changes. Virginia Walden Ford is one of America's leading advocates for parent empowerment. As a student, mother, advocate, and grandmother. Ms. Ford has spent her lifetime fighting to create new educational opportunities for children and families. A native of Little Rock, Arkansas, and the daughter of two public school educators, Virginia and her twin sister, Harrietta, were among the first 130 students chosen to desegregate Little Rock schools in the mid-1960s. Coming up later in the show, we'll tell you how you can catch a special showing of the new movie that chronicles her story, Miss Virginia, and it tells the story of the sacrifices she made to get her son out of a broken system. She started an organization in D.C., D.C. Parents for School Choice, that led eventually to the creation of the D.C. Opportunity Scholarship. Good morning, Miss Ford. It's great to have you on our show.
1: Good morning. It's so wonderful to be here. Thank you.
0: What is real school choice and why does it matter to families?
1: Real school choice? is parents making a choice for their children period you know um there's so much rhetoric about it and about the political parts but it merely is a parent looking at their child knowing what their needs are and picking a school that meets those needs
0: families are told that the problem with our schools is that they're not fully funded and that school choice will only make the problem of underfunded schools worse You were not satisfied with this answer, though, when it came to your own kids. Why should families not be bullied into accepting the status quo?
1: We have been forever been told where to send our kids, what schools to send them to. We haven't had choices. And the only people that really don't have choices are people that don't have the resources to send their kids to private schools or other kinds of schools where they have to pay. So those families are stuck. We look at what the public school system is receiving per child, and we also look at the schools that are serving kids in a better way as we're going about looking for schools for our children. And we see that those schools are doing better with our kids with less money so this whole idea that money is going to change things became ridiculous to me because we know that there are other educational venues that are educating children in a quality complete environment so we know that that's not the reason but with politics the way they are that's what they throw at us they throw at us well we don't have the money to educate kids so they're going to just have to wait until we raise some more money in my experience we've totally found out that that's just not true the thing that educates children are the people that are involved in kids lives and who care about kids and use the resources they do have to make sure the children get everything they need.
0: At what point, Miss Ford, did you realize that you had to be your own advocate for your child and that the system and any number of other activists were not going to do it for you?
1: My son was really turning to the streets. You know, he was going into the streets. He was not going to school he was when he was at school which was seldom he was not doing what he needed to do and i actually went to the school and said what can i do to help i mean how can i make this a better experience for him and they dismissed me you know it'll eventually come we're we're working on doing better but right at that moment my child needed a solution we needed to do something that would make a difference in his life that would provide an environment that was going to teach him where he could thrive. And every time, every step of the way, I got the door closed in my face. Every step of the way, they said, it's eventually coming. Every step of the way, they said, we're working on it. But I looked around at my son and the children around me, and, and I realized these kids can't wait. You know, in three or four years, when they figured out what to do, these kids are going to be lost, you know, and I and I really saw my son being pulled into an environment that was not going to help him. It was going to do just the opposite, and I felt, I know this child. I know he's smart. I know if we can get him in an environment that welcomes him, then he'll do well, and so that was when I jumped into it. I just was not going to allow the streets to take my son. I watched too many children in our communities around D.C. and around the country who are pulled in by by factors that don't care about them. They care about what they can do for them, selling drugs, getting in trouble. And I, I wasn't going to let that happen. And I, to, to be perfectly honest, I just got mad. I'm like, you know, how dare they dismiss me? How dare they push me aside? I had to fight for this kid. He is mine. And then in the midst of fighting for him, all my neighbors would come around and say, you know, I need to fight for my child. And and so it gave us a way to start forming a group of parents that could speak out. We weren't going to lose our kids to the drug dealers and to the gangs and all these other negative forces that are out here in the street. We were going to fight. And so we did.
0: That's a story that certainly resonates with a lot of parents in terms of working for the well-being of their children and the fight to do that. We're speaking today with Virginia Walden Ford, founder of D.C. Parents for School Choice and longtime School Choice champion. Ms. Ford, your passion led to the creation of a grassroots organization, D.C. Parents for School Choice. How and why did you latch on to School Choice and Opportunity Scholarships as the policy that would make the difference for you and your kids?
1: We looked at all the schools that were in the areas. And we looked at small schools in the inner city. We looked at Catholic schools. We looked at all kinds of schools. And we saw something totally different than what we were experiencing. We saw kids being engaged and having fun at school and smiling. We thought, you know, we need to do this for our children as well. And and so Latching on to school choice was easy for us because that's what it was about. It was about making the best choice possible for our kids who were languishing in bad schools that were not serving their needs. So it was kind of an easy choice because as we went around the city, we saw that there were educational environments that were doing well by kids and they didn't have a lot of money. I remember you know, going to one school, and they were having a program, and all the kids were involved, the Catholic school in Southeast D.C., and everybody was excited. And and I sat there, and I thought, this is what I want for my child. And and as I talked to the administrators after the program I attended, they were sometimes not even getting paid, but they still were passionate about serving kids. And I and I thought, this is what I want my child to be in. I want him to be in a place where people care whether he learns, where, you know, he can get involved and he'll be smiling and happy and what he's learned and where he can thrive. I was obsessed with making sure that all of those schools out there that were already serving kids could be utilized by the families that I worked with
0: one of the things that we encounter uh, as advocates for school choice is that the school system the public school system seems so af- and policymakers generally seem so afraid of empowering parents um exactly. what, what's your experience with that and and how do you respond that you know well parents don't have the wherewithal to pick the right school they don't know what the right school is uh, what's your response to that how have you dealt with that issue
1: well you know during the time when we were really getting involved we were dismissed from schools. We were not welcomed in schools. So many parents said to us, you know, they don't want us there. Um, and And the principals and the teachers were not very caring to the parents, not very welcoming. But we told our families, you have every right to be at the school, to speak out for your children, and to do what's necessary to make sure your children get what they need out of whatever kind of educational environment they're in. But we were pushed away, and we were devastated by that. You know, come on, we can't go into school anytime we want to so, you know, I figured they're my children. There's a public school. I ought to be able to go there any time. But every time I went there, or many times that I went there, people pushed me away. They acted like they didn't want me there. So I thought, well, what's the secret? I mean, why can't we come in the schools? Why aren't you utilizing parents? Because I was the child of teachers. My parents always said to me, When when your children go to school, you get involved. And so I thought, Okay, I'm excited. My first child's going to school. I'm gonna be the person, the mother that works with the teacher and do and gets all of this stuff done for on behalf of the children and I wasn't welcome. It felt that I was pushed aside. And as I discussed this with other parents, they felt that way as well. The biggest problem that I saw is that parents didn't even know that they had the right to do anything else. And until many of us uh, school choice advocates or education advocates came around, most parents just didn't have the information that they could go into schools and help. And, And, you know, in my experience... Our first meetings in in communities in D.C., low-income communities in D.C., I remember asking, what kind of educational environment do you want your children in? And people would pull out lists, you know. So the idea that low-income parents or working-class parents or, or parents that don't have the resources to take advantage of other kinds of educational environments don't know what they want for their children is ludicrous i mean we are our children's first teachers we look at our children and we know what they need we just have to find a place that would work with us but it was so hard to get the bureaucracy to welcome parents we fought for years to be at the table with everybody talking about our children and not just being used as Uh, photo shoots or you know parents in the background or whatever we wanted to we had something to say and we wanted to be able to say it so we have to continue to encourage parents we have to continue to tell parents they have every right to be at the table when people are discussing what's going to happen educationally with their children.
0: It's probably the case that parents are going to have a better sense of what their child needs than an educational bureaucrat.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I I mean, I knew my William was smart. I knew that he could do things, and I knew that he could thrive in an environment that cared. He went to Archbishop Carroll in Washington, D.C., and his first few months there... He was so excited about going to school, and this was a child people told me to give up on that he was never going to do anything to stay in trouble, and he had, and uh, but those first few months, he was just a couple of months, he was doing so well. So I remember saying to him, "Why are you doing so well?" I, you know, I had, had so many difficulties with him that I, I think I was waiting for the other shoe to drop or something, and you know, he said to me, and he was young and and oftentimes you can't get kids to articulate um, how they feel. And so he said, Mama, these people care whether I learn or not. They want me to learn, and it's the first time in my life that anybody cared about what I was doing or what I was learning but you. And he said, and you had to because you were my mother. (laughs) But uh, these folks really, these teachers, administrators, really care about him, and and also it was the first school he had ever attended that didn't have um, metal detectors at the door, so immediately when he's walking into the door, he feels different. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful watching what he, how he changed, and how all of a sudden he became a really incredible student. And you know, it took a minute, because he was behind when he started um, Archbishop Carroll. He, He was couple of grades behind, and uh, he had to catch up. But, you know, he put so much energy into trying to catch up, and the teachers there were so receptive to helping him that before long, I saw a totally different kid. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Now, we like to say, the Advocates for School Choice, that it's an important and imperative civil rights initiative. It's one thing for me to say that, but you're actually a civil rights pioneer. So connect the dots for us. What do you see as the uh, the way in which school choice is a a component of the ongoing struggle for civil rights in America?
1: Well, you know, 40 years, 50 years ago, when I went into Central, I, I was one of 130 kids that started that second round of desegregating schools. And um, they had actually started in in 57 with the Little Rock Nine, at least in Little Rock. But a lot of black kids didn't continue to go to those schools. So when I went in the high school, we were, the government had said, look, we sent federal troops into Little Rock, so you all need to continue this desegregation process. And I remember we were a small little drop in the bucket. There were... 4,000 students at our high school at Central. And we felt alone, but we also realized that we were getting the kinds of education that everybody deserved. We had the the right labs. We had up-to-date books. I remember walking into that school and seeing that library, and I loved to read, and thinking, oh, my gosh, I could stay in here forever. And so that kind of started me... Thinking about it, yet I had not wanted to go there, and I remember when my parents told us that we were going to go to Central, I remember saying, I'm not going to Central, I'm going to the black high school, I'm going to follow my older sister, and I'm going to be sad, and of course I had to have a choice, because these were my parents, And uh, but my dad said to me, you have a responsibility to go to Central, to get everything you can from that school, to, I mean, work hard, And because you have younger siblings, and if you don't do well, and if you don't help continue this um, desegregation process, then your younger sisters will be hurt by that. And even at 14, I took that really seriously. and, And I think then that I realized that I had a responsibility to help be a part of the solution and not the problem so i went to central i did well and i realized as an adult how that experience had shaped who i was who i am as a now as an activist because i saw how important it was for children to be in an environment that met their needs so as we moved forward as my children went to school i have three children actually and two of them were really, really academically driven and really navigated the system a lot easier. You know, they found their own role models and they found their own programs. But William was one of those kids that would eventually have gotten lost in the system had I not fought. And I think all those early years of of my parents, somebody told me after they saw the film, a lady who's 90 years old said, I love this film, Virginia, because it reminds me of what we went through when you all were young and how we had to fight to make sure our children were in environments that worked best. You know, the problem, in my opinion, is that people concentrate too much on politics or power or whatever and not enough on the children. If we put children in environments that where they can thrive, where expectations are high, then we'll see a whole nother kind of kid emerge, as we did with my son. So, all I think all of my young life, having to deal with whatever happened at Central, which was not easy, it wasn't. There were we are talking about 1966 Arkansas, where there were there was a lot of prejudice and and people were not uh, uncomfortable in letting you know that they didn't want you in the environment, but. We also understood that our parents were struggling hard to make sure we got what we needed. So we tried to uh, live up to their expectations. So as, as I went into adulthood and became a parent and I saw things happening with my children, it was so important that I had already had those kinds of experiences and uh, I could take them into the school choice movement. School choice, again... It's about making sure that children have what they need. You know, put a child in an environment where their needs are met, and, again, you have a great kid.
0: Ms. Ford, your story is really a testament to the importance of focusing on the child instead of the school system. We've just had time for one more quick question that I want to get your thoughts on. Your story should be an inspiration to people who seek the courage to stand up and be an advocate. How would you encourage people who see a problem that needs to be fixed but don't know where to begin? You know, who helped you along the way? Share a little bit to really empower the parents and others who are listening and who want to become advocates, whether it's for school choice or some other issue that's on their heart.
1: You know, we we started off, about 25 of us uh, parents that were didn't know what to do. And we talked to uh, educators, we talked to legislators, until we found somebody that really seemed to be real open to helping us. And we ran with it. And so my suggestion to parents, and I go around the country and I talk to parents a lot. We know that African-American kids, kids of color, Hispanic kids, are in difficult situations, but I think all kids are in difficult situations. It doesn't matter the race. I go to Oregon or um, Iowa, and if I close my eyes, all I hear is a parent talking. You know, it doesn't—we have to stand up and fight for all of our kids so— As I go around the country and talk to parents, I tell them, be strong. Use your voice. My whole mantra over the years has been, you have a voice that you haven't been using because you think that people don't want you to use it. Speak out. Use your voice. Talk to legislators. Talk to school boards. Find somebody. After talking to 25 people, one of those 25 is going to say, you know— I think we should do something to help your your children, or your community's children, or your city's children, and, and and just stay strong. I mean, there were many times I'm gonna tell you when when it felt like I needed to give up. There were too many forces against us, and there were too many things that were not going well. But I used to tell the parents, and I tell them this now. Put a picture of your child in your pocket or on your phone or whatever you have access to. And every single time you feel like giving up, take that little picture out or look at that picture on your smartphone. We didn't have those then. And uh, we actually had paper pictures, and they're pretty dog-eared after a while because we had to take them out a lot of times. And we i look in the face of my child, and I would go, okay, these people are being mean to me, and they're not being receptive, but I'm fighting for you. We're those kids' mothers and fathers. We have to continue to stand up no matter what. But people will try to knock you back. I see it now. I saw it then. And I suggest that you just... Stand up and say, I am not going to be pushed back. My child will do well. And there are thousands, 10,700 children have been educated through the DC Opportunity Scholarship Program. And I guarantee those parents are sitting there looking at their children do well, finish college, get great jobs, and smiling because that's what happens when you stand up, and there are lots of people to support you. Um, We had support from a coalition. Don't be afraid, parents of coalitions. We had a, a group of people that were there for us, that supported us, that were amazing in their support for us. And sometimes those are people you might not ever have thought you'd be friends with, but those are people that... As you go on your journey, you see that they actually care about children, and so stay strong, parents. It's about loving kids, and it's about using your energy to fight for them and making sure that every child in America, every child, has an opportunity to be in an educational environment that starts them on their journey to adulthood.
0: We've been speaking with Virginia Walden Ford, longtime school choice advocate and civil rights pioneer. You can learn more about her and her story at virginiawaldenford.com, and that'll be linked on our show page. There's also a movie about her life and work as a school choice advocate, Miss Virginia. That's going to be shown in Edina at Southdale AMC on January 28th for National School Choice Week. Ms. Ford, thanks so much for joining us today, and thank you for all your good work on behalf of kids.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. And thank you for your work on behalf of kids as well. God bless.
0: God bless. Thanks so much. And we'll be back in a moment with our mailbag segment. Welcome back to The Bridge Builder, where we help you connect your Catholic faith and public life. I'm Jason Adkins, Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and now it's time to dive into our mailbag segment to hear what comments and questions you've been sending our way. Kit, what have you got for the mailbag? Yeah, so since we're on the topic of school choice, this week's question asks, I've heard a lot about charter schools in my area. How are charter schools different from, say, private schools or public schools? Do they get the same funding as public schools? Lots of good questions on charter schools. So, charter schools are public schools, but they are kind of a unique movement within the public school system for reform. So, the first charter schools were conceived in the late 1970s and early 1980s, actually by teachers who wanted to do things more innovative than simply the same standardized model that prevailed and still prevails in many public schools. And so, Minnesota actually became the first state to authorize charter schools, and we have the most charter schools, I believe, in the nation right now, but charter schools are definitely under attack precisely because they provide competition with the general public schools. They have innovative programs, alternative programs, and so a lot of parents are flocking to them because they're places of innovation. They're not bound by the same rules as public schools are in terms of a lot of pedagogical instruction and curriculum. They are, uh, of course, subject to certain mandates like teacher licensure, They're funded in a way that's unique in a different uh, sense than the normal public schools are. They have to be authorized by an authorizer, but parents can start charter schools. They're one more choice that parents have. When we talk about school choice at the Catholic Conference, we're often talking about private school choice, so giving kids the opportunity to attend private schools which sometimes serve their needs better than a public school or serve their values in a different way. But charter schools are one more choice in the menu of choices that parents do have. Sometimes there isn't a good Catholic school in the area a charter school is the only option for a number of parents or because we don't have enough school choice, private school choice, people can't afford to attend a non-public school. So it's imperative that we continue to extend the menu of choices for parents that serves their needs regardless of their faith or their background um, or their, especially their socioeconomic status. So charters are one way of doing that. You're going to see more attacks on charter schools, though, going forward. And, and that would be unfortunate if charter schools, uh, their practices, their innovations, and the ways in which they serve parents and kids were thwarted by the public school establishment. So something to keep an eye on in the news. Continuing on the same topic of school choice, this week's Bricklayer segment gives some great ways to get involved in the school choice movement. What do we have in the Bricklayer segment? So National School Choice Week is a week in end of January every year to highlight the importance of school choice. Like Ms. Ford said on her show, giving parents more options, more opportunity. It is a civil rights issue. People should have an access to quality education that's consistent with their values, regardless of their socioeconomic status or their zip code. So it's important that people take the time to understand the issue of school choice, even if you're not a parent right now, even if you're happy with your child's school. Other kids need those opportunities, and we can't leave any kids behind. We can't wait until the system, quote-unquote, gets better. We have a partner, Opportunity for All Kids. Their website is opportunityforallkids.org. They're sponsoring a screening of... Uh, Miss Virginia, the movie about Virginia Walden Ford and her fight for educational opportunities. That's coming up on January 28th in Edina at AMC Southdale 16. Starting at 5:15, there will be a reception and short panel discussion before the movie. And during the reception, food and drinks will be provided free of charge. The movie screening begins at 6 and wraps up at 7:45. Seating is limited, so we need people to register. If you can't make it to the movie, there's nearly 700 great National School Choice Week events happening throughout Minnesota in the final week of January. To see a complete list and find events near you, visit schoolchoiceweek.com/state/minnesota. Again, that's schoolchoiceweek.com slash state slash Minnesota. You can find the link to the movie on our podcast page at mncatholic.org slash podcast. That's all the time we have for today, but remember, you or your organization can become a sponsor of the Bridge Builder. By doing so you will help others bring the Catholic faith into public life. For more opportunities, send us an email, at show at mncatholic.org. Again, that show at mncatholic.org or connect with us on our webpage, mncatholic.org. Remember, you can catch up on past episodes online at emmoncatholic.org podcast or search for The Bridge Builder on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for tuning in today to The Bridge Builder. We'll be back again next week with another great guest, more of your comments and questions, and a new way for you to build bridges between faith and public life. I'm Jason Atkins, and for Kit Cross, the Minnesota Catholic Conference, thanks so much for listening. Take care.